This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Louise and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. I'm Greg, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, The AA preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other, that they may solve their common problem and help recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks, Greg. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model, and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink, and this is what makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. 
Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about who you are? Um, Greg, I'm an alcoholic. Um, yeah, it's uh, been a bit of a journey, but I'm, yeah, I'm sober. I've been sober for 15 years now. 15 and, years? Um, wow, that's that's phenomenal. And um, tell us a little bit about um, life outside of AA. Do you work? Yes, I'm a um, full-time scaffolder. Excellent. Family? Um, I've got two boys in Australia, um, and yeah, it's just just me at the moment. Awesome! Wow! Oh, well, brilliant! So let's um, let's talk a little bit about what what was it like for you growing up? Um, so I grew up with my my father, my mother, and my brother and my sister, and um, it was yeah, it was it was it was a pretty good household. Um, my father used to always take us camping and, and, and road trips and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my father was a bit of a drinker. Um, right. But it wasn't really until I came into Alcoholics Anonymous and, and, and found out what alcoholism was about, I really got to see the alcoholism in my father. Recognise so, that. Yeah, recognise yeah. it, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about your drinking. Tell us, tell us about, you know, when... When did you start drinking? Um, I started drinking um, at an early age, 13. Um, but I first, uh, to be fair, I, I first got a taste of um, alcohol as such in uh, Vicks Fulham 44 <laughs> when I was four. And I remember that vividly, you know, wow. and I remember it doing, affecting me somehow and I liked it, you know, but... Um, you know, 13, 13 was the age where I started drinking, and um, that was to deal with my father's death. Um, right. And me and him used to make homebrew together. Right. So, um, yeah, it, it kind of just progressed after that, yeah. And so as a 13-year-old, what did it do for you? How did it make you feel? Um, it, just, it just boosted my confidence, you know, and I mm. was – and it was it – was, Hiding all the feelings that I was I was experiencing, and I didn't know how to how to deal with that, so I drank. For sure, for sure. And um, as as you progressed into your teens and and early adulthood, um, how did it progress? Um, so it progressed because my ego was massive, you know, and <laughs> I could I could outdrink all my friends. Right. And um, you know, um, I had a lot of friends back in the day, and um, then I just. Seen my friends drop off because um, I wasn't doing what they were doing. You know, they, they could have a few drinks and and go home for the night, but whereas I'd I drink to blackout every time, and my and my drinking got that worse that you know like I I, I didn't want to stop. And and this is in your teens yeah. and early adulthood. Yeah. And um, so so did your drinking change? Like what? So you sort of talked about being a social drinker in your teens. To black out, and so how did that progress, and were there any consequences? Um, so, yes, yeah, there was lots. Of, there was lots of consequences, um, and I and I'm still, you know, even though I'm 15 years sober now, the, the consequences are still there. You know, right. um, I I first got into trouble with the law when I was 16 um, for fighting in a public place, um, and yeah, I. I can't remember much of it, but 
um, I know that, you know, alcohol was the biggest factor in mm. that. And um, I, yeah, then progressed to just, yeah, drinking and driving. Right. I, I, I had a lot of drink driving charges and um, I actually, I went to um, prison on my first drunk driving charge. Um, oh, you, wow, okay. And th- that must have been quite young. I was 18, yeah, and yeah. Um, I'd fallen asleep at the wheel and I T-boned a taxi, you know, two people that were in the in the car got injured mm. and, um, you know, they were doing the right thing and, and catching a taxi home and, you know, here comes Greg. Um, mm. um, so, yeah, I, I injured them badly in a, in a car accident and um, the judge ended up giving me two and a half years in paparoa, so... And that must have had a, a a reasonably massive impact to your mental, to your mental and emotional well-being. Um, yeah, no. Um, I was still, yeah, like alcohol just just ruled my life. So I kind of, and I was very selfish, you know. Sure. And um, all I wanted to do, even though when I was in prison, all I wanted to do was drink, and I was I was detoxing really bad um, mm. in prison and um, and when I got out I, I did the same thing I, right. I the, the, the very first day I got out of prison I, I drank straight back into straight it straight back into it and um, that, like, that, like there was no consequences you know I was selfish I yeah and, and talk to me about you know relationships with your family um, during this time um, yeah well like I said, when I when I was younger, I only grew up with my mum. Uh, after my part, mm. my mum, uh, my father died. Sorry, and um, so it was hard on my mum, mm. but I couldn't see it being hard on her because I wasn't I wasn't feeling anything. I was just drunk twenty four seven. So mm. um, my selfishness and and that you know um, I I didn't care about anyone else's feelings other than myself. And did your family at any time try and uh, intervene or, or talk to you about your drinking? Um, yes, yeah, they did. Um, but, you know, like I just shut them out mm. just straight away. I mm. shut them out, um, you know, and the amount of times I, I put my mum through some some, mm. some horrific events, you know. Um, I'd always be getting brought home by the police or, or something like that at mm. an early age, you know, and um, I thought nothing of it. And, and did you at any time try yourself to to stop drinking or did you think this isn't normal, I've perhaps got a problem? Um, I didn't – I at first I didn't want to stop drinking because I loved drinking so much mm. I didn't want to stop drinking. But I knew that my behaviour was getting out of hand. Mm. And, you know, um, actually before I went up to court to go up on my drunk driving charge, um, I – I did the Odyssey House program, right, and uh, put myself into that, you know. But um, all that was doing was was trying to con the judge mm. into not sending me to prison. There was no, you know, I yeah, that was the only reason why I did it. Sure, sure. And um, so coming out of prison, back into the drinking, what happened from there? How did it pro- progress? Um, so yeah, d- d- it got to the point where it was affecting my work. Um, okay. I was still working full time because that fed my addiction. Mm, you know, I, mm. I, I turn up to work drunk, you know, right. hanging off scaffolds. Like, wow. like it wouldn't bother me. Um, but yeah, and then and then more drunk driving charges. Um, 
salt charges. The list goes on, but you know, like I had, I felt like I was powerless. I had no control, but I didn't want to admit that. No, I didn't want to admit that. And and so I guess what we talk about in AA often is our our rock bottom. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that looked like for you and what brought you into recovery? Um, my rock bottom. Um, I was extremely drunk one night, and um, no, I, I, I was I was actually just crying all night, mm. and um, just drinking at the same time, you know, wanting to stop. Um, and then I decided that I, I'd had enough, and um, I got into my car and I drove up to the Port Hills, and I, I just wanted to drive off, mm. you know. Mm. Um, but you know, being a selfish alcoholic, I couldn't do it. You know, I couldn't do it. Um, I crashed my car on the way down mm. and um, I got arrested again for my fifth DRC charge, you know, and um, that was it for me, you know. I, yeah, I destroyed every relationship I had with my family. Yeah. Um, I was, yeah, that was my rock bottom. I, I just didn't want to do it anymore. And so you knew by that point th- that you knew you had a problem and you wanted to do something about it. Yeah. And um, when I came, first come into AA, I'd, I was still, it was still really, you know, like I'd, I hadn't had a drink, um, but I, I wanted to change change my behaviour pretty much. And I, I, I was thinking that maybe these people would teach me how to drink like <laughs> normal people. Sure. And um, so, so just back to your, you know, how did you find your way to your first AA meeting? Um, there was a fellow that used to live down the road from me, my my mum's place actually, and um, he'd been going to AA for a very long time, you know, and um, so you knew about AA, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, and he and he took me to my first meeting, and um, yeah, just. And what was that first meeting like? It was really weird. It was really weird. Um, there was people in the room telling me that I was important and I was, you know, the most important person in the room and I couldn't work them. I just couldn't work them out. I couldn't relate at first, you know, and um, there was people in there that, that were celebrating birthdays and, you know, they were saying that they're 20-odd years sober and all I was thinking was, what are these plonkers on about, you know? And 20 years without <laughs> drinking. And so so I guess quite overwhelming, but also very welcoming. Yes, very welcoming, yep. Um, I felt like um, that I was heard. I felt, and then I started relating to what they were saying, sure. you know. Um, I started fitting in. Um, Listening for the similarities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, so talk to us about your journey since you've, you know, been in the rooms, what does AA look like for you? Um, it's pretty much given me a life that I would have never never had. Mm. You know, um, my drinking was leading me to pretty much death. Mm. You know, that was it. Um, and it's given me, yeah, like I said, it's given me something that I would have never had, you know. And, and you know, that we talk about, you know, a life beyond our wildest dreams. What are some of the things that you do to maintain your sobriety? 
Um, I go to regular AA meetings, um, you know, and I help out as much as I can. I'm in a uh, super position at the moment. I do a secretary meeting for a Friday night meeting that I go to and, um, you know, that just that just sets up my weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Turning and, up, opening the door, yeah. setting up, showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just one alcoholic talking to another and – one alcoholic helping another alcoholic, and, yep. that's, and that's how this program works. Um, I can't talk to someone out of AA about my problems. It just mm. doesn't work. Mm. I can't relate to them. No. And so you've, you've touched on service, which is such a critical part of our program, but what about sponsorship? What's that look like for you? Yeah, I, I have a spo- AA sponsor, and, um, you know, we talk on a regular basis. Um, you know, and that's... that's for me, um, critical to to the, this, this program because um, you know, like he's really spiritual, you know, and um, and it gives me that that it just gives me information that I don't have in my brain, mm. you know. That. No, and you just touched there on on spirituality, and we talk about AA being a spiritual program, not a religious program. What does that look like for you? Yeah, well, when I first came into AA, I looked at the the, the word God and all yeah. them, and it scared me. It did at first, you know. Sure. And um, but now, like, it's hard to explain my spirituality, but I know there's something out there looking for, looking out for me. There's there's not without a doubt. So I wouldn't be here today, you know. Yeah. I, my selfishness um, back when I was drinking would be like, if if I'm doing something for you, what are you going to do for mm. me? I wouldn't be here helping other people, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's what AA has done to me for me as well. Being able to reach out for other people and, and give them a helping hand. And that's changed over the years that you first came in. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And um, so, what are some of the things that you do when you have to deal with life on life's terms, or when things get rough? Um, I need a pause. You know, I need mm-hmm. a pause and, and either talk to someone from AA or um, talk to my sponsor and, and really pause and pray about it because at the end of the day, I'm still powerless over a lot of things in my life. Mm. You know, and um, I can't take this for granted. You know, um, my my recovery depends on um, not forgetting about what I, what happened to me in mm. the past. You know, my past is my greatest asset. It's totally wow. my greatest asset um, because I don't want to go back there. I, I don't. I don't. It'd be a horrible life. Yeah, know? yeah. And so turning up to meetings, hearing newcomers, and being able to be there for them. Yeah, helps you in your recovery. A, a day at a time, because at, at the end of the day, it is a day at a time. Because I'm not sure what's going to happen tomorrow. No. You know, and I and I don't think about that too too much anymore. But um, I know that. That living, keeping my side of the street clean, is is the way that I have to do things now. You know, um, I I've dealt with a lot of things in AA that I, when I was drinking, I would have been drunk. Mm. You know, um, and the things I've dealt with today, and I, I I've got married, um, I've been I'm going through a divorce at the moment. I would have mm. drunk over those things. Mm. You know, definitely, but. Instead of doing those things, I, I rang up someone from AA. I talked to them. I, I related to them. I, I, you know, I got through it. And you didn't have to pick up and a I drink. I didn't have to pick up a drink. Mm. And so, you know, what what is life like today? 
There's a lot of peace, you know. There's a lot of peace, a lot of peace and serenity, a lot of peace. Um, my head's not racing around. I haven't got as much anxiety, mm. um, you know, because I was riddled with anxiety. And I didn't even, like, know what anxiety was about until I came into the, these mm. rooms. I didn't know anything about alcoholism. I didn't know anything about living life sober, mm. you know. Mm. And um, and so I guess, what would you recommend or or would you say to someone who thinks they might have a drinking problem? Go to a meeting, man. Like, I know it might sound like a big thing to do, but go to a meeting, go for ninety days. You know, that's that's what the the, the old timers used to say to me when I first come in. You know, and I put down a lot of meetings when I first got sober. Sure. And that was the foundation for my for my recovery, you know. Mm. Lots of meetings and, you know, um, I'm still here today. So yep. And so doing the suggested things. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Greg, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful to have you here. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business, but if you do want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with the serenity prayer, as we do in every AA meeting. God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things things I cannot change, change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom wisdom to know know the the difference. difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9. 